welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, it's good to be on the last few hours of this weekend, isn't it? I know some of you must be feeling somewhat tired, but it's, it's a healthy tired, isn't it? You, you feel like, I'm tired in the body, but I'm just bursting on the inside with the richness that I've received over these last uh, two and a bit days. It's been great. And it is my privilege to kind of follow Kath with uh, an endeavour to tidy up this message now on offences and to bring it to a close, to try and put it in, put it in a package that you can take home and make it work because that's where it's important. It's where the rubber's going to meet the road that it's really critical and that's what concerns me in your life and in my life. You need to know this. You need to know that. You need to understand what I'm going to say right now is that whenever you get up and preach a message, and I've been doing it for a while now, whenever you get up and preach a message, Young, aspiring preachers, hear what I'm saying. Older folk, hear what I'm saying. You will be challenged in the next week or two on what you've preached. Because the enemy doesn't like truth coming out. He will resist it. And he'll fight against it. So if he can can kind of stuff your words back in your mouth and bring you down, he will do that. So you need to be ready for that. See, there's some little tricks that happen in pastoral life or ministry life that you don't know about, but that's one of them. That is one of them, that the enemy will come and try and trick you up. The other thing I've learned about him, he doesn't actually care about me that much. What he cares about is sticking something or trying to stick something in God's face. And if I... If I if I, and occasionally when I fail to do something, I've become conscious that he couldn't care less what that's going to do to me. But all he can do is say, see God? Yeah, look at that one. He's missed it. He's fallen a hole. See, you thought you had plans for him. You, you thought you had empowered him by your spirit. But look at him. And so... Young men, young ladies, my dear friends who are somewhere near my age, when you stand out for God, when you, when you bring a message, always be ready for a bit of a cutback. But I don't, don't be intimidated by it. Whatever you do, don't be intimidated by it because he's cutting back because you have hurt his kingdom, his effort. You've hurt what he's up to. And he's a bit crumpy about that. So don't, don't, don't back off. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't turn your back and run. Stare him down. Stare him down. Jesus said to his disciples, offences will certainly come, but woe to the ones for whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones, which were the children of Israel, to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, 
and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Father God, we ask as we come to your word tonight, speak to our hearts. Give us clarity. Lord, reveal your hand in these words for us as individuals tonight. That each of us will go away with our portion. Each of us will take our portion like the, like the disciples from the feeding of the 5,000. Each of them took away a basket full of food for them. Father, feed us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you remember last week we uh, quickly we did a, a little video with the bait trap and the dove was fine pecking around on the ground, but the moment it lifted its head and pecked on the trap, boom, down it came and it was caught. And you know, there are, there's things in our lives, that there's, there's things all around our lives that we cannot afford to peck at. We need to, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep living for the Lord, let the things of Scripture guide your lifestyle and your footsteps. Live for God and he will keep you safe. He will keep you safe. Someone once said, we can't stop the birds flying around overhead, but we can sure stop them from nesting in our hair. There's a bunch of stuff out there that we're never going to stop. But you don't have to get engaged with it. You don't have to become entangled in it. You don't have to let it get near you or get on you. And the, if you're in a, get into a conversation with someone who's already hurt or, or someone who's already suffering some sort of offence and they start up and they are trying to draw you in, why do they do that? Because actually they, they, they know underneath that what they're saying is not right. But if they can get you to join them, somehow it makes them feel better. It's like when I was a little boy at primary school at Colonel Light Gardens. Some friends of mine had stolen a packet of cigarettes from their father. And they said, come over at morning tea time. We're going behind the toilets and we're going to have a smoke. And there was about five or six of us in this group. Two of them were ready to go. Three or four of us were undecided. And finally I said, no, I'm not going. You want us to join it, but I'm, I'm not going to join in. We're not supposed to be doing it. You've stolen the stuff, so we're not, I'm not going. I'm out. Well, with just one person saying no, the other three said, no, we're not going either. Yeah. And suddenly the two were by themselves. Yeah. Didn't take much. Didn't take much. Just one person, just one voice to stand up. You need to do that. There's a key. There's a key of release in that. This bait trap... It is like Pastor Tony preached this morning. It is a fork decision. You have a moment to make a decision. You're making decisions all the time. When you're driving your car, you're making thousands of decisions. Yeah. Thousands of decisions. You're making decisions that you've even forgotten now that you actually are making. Yeah. But you're making them all the time. Good. You want to do something really good? I like this when it happens. When the checkout cashier at Coles or Woolworths or wherever you shop actually gives you the wrong change and they overchange you, I, I love it. I, I, this is, this is a, I know it's always a God setup. And you say, Excuse me, 
you've just given me too much change. And they say that, we, keep it, keep it, don't, 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 don't get me in trouble with it. I said, no, 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 I agreed to pay that valued price. I agreed to pay that price for those goods. If I didn't want to pay that price, I wouldn't have bought so many goods to the counter. I agreed to pay your price. Someone's missing out here. Now, regardless of what we think about the big commercial enterprises, someone's missing out. The thing I do not want to impeach or pull down or muddy or smutter, smutty, make smutty, whatever it is. I, the thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to dirty my integrity. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. Make that right decision at that fork in the road. Don't take the bait. Go forward. An offence that's taken on board is nurtured. It will cause you harm. It will bend just out of shape. You need to hear Kath's message. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. She demonstrated it so clearly and so well. She spoke eloquently to the subject. Great message. You need to hear it. You know... When a fence grabs hold of a person's life, it actually twists their core being. It twists their value system. It twists their understanding. And, and when, it, when you see a person that's been caught in it for a fair while, they actually reach a point where they think up is down, right is wrong, and wrong is right. Yeah. They get really bent out of shape. And it affects every area of their lives. Let me sound this trumpet of warning. Don't go there. Don't get caught. Don't do it. Don't let it get on you. Don't let it get in you. And if it, if it has, you need to get rid of it as quickly as you can. You do not want to be someone who is disabled by something like a wrongful attitude or a wrong, a wrong, an offense in your life. The verses came down a bit further and said, that someone should, re if you come to someone, they should rebuke you. And I got to think about that. So what, what does a rebuke look like? What does a rebuke sound like? What does it feel like? How should I respond to a rebuke? And there's a, there's a number of rebukes in Scripture. And I, I want to take Jesus as my example. Because he's the only one that doesn't change. That, that is something I like about Scripture. That where it says something was wrong yesterday, it's still wrong today. It never changes. If there's one thing you can bank your life on and, and, and know is going to be a true guide for you, it's the Word of God. It doesn't change. It's fair. It's always even. It tells me as a husband how to operate and how to live. It tells my wife how it's, good, it's a good role for her, a good place for her. And it doesn't play favorites with either of us. But it tells me how to live. You need to know the Word of God. So when it comes to a rebuke, it can take different forms. Sometimes depending upon the, the personality of the person that is bringing that rebuke. Now, I'm, not a, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not a tiger. I'm not a tiger. 
Some people said you're a big cuddly bear. Well, I can put a fair bear, a bear grip on you if you want it, but I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a tiger with big fangs, and you know, I, some, some people are tigers. Some people are real ready, ready, set, go. That they're, they're ready to charge out there and get it happening. I, I'm not like. But look at what Jesus did. Look how Jesus rebuked different people. He did it with questions. That was one of his favourite ways. The little lawyer came to him and said. What must I do to inherit eternal life in John chapter 10? And Jesus said, what does the scripture say to you? That's a great way to debate. It's a great way to argue a point. And then the, and then the gentleman came back with another question and Jesus followed it with a, a statement then, a statement of truth. So questions are, are a good if someone starts to question you, it's not wrong to be receiving that, that activity. If there's something in your life where, where there's been a difficulty generated or caused, then someone may come questioning, 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 because in those questions, they're actually going to nail the issue right down to the bottom line. Because sometimes when you just talk to someone, you can waffle on and smudge the smudge the truth, smudge the real issue. And we need to avoid that. Some of us are good smudges. Some of us know how to, well, we try and hide, but when God gets on your case, you won't be able to. What else did Jesus do? Think of the woman at the well. Jesus was sitting at the well. This is another way he uses questions. But the questions to her were, were of a much gentler nature. He was conscious of who he was talking to. He was aware that this was a woman. He was aware uh, of, the, of the, 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 the racial prejudices and difficulties between men and women. He was aware of those things. And so the questions he spoke to her were, were somewhat different, couched in different language, yet nevertheless getting to the truth, yeah. Good. getting to the bottom line. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will question your heart about something. And we like to duck and weave a bit. Sometimes God uses a person to question you. In your face, right there in front of you. Nevertheless, if it's something you've done, if it's something that's happening to you, if it's something that you're aware of, be open to that because that person that's questioning you, the Holy Spirit questioning you is actually bringing you down to a place where you can deal with it and have a breakthrough. Yeah. He's not doing it to harm you. He's not doing it to shame you. He's doing it to release you yeah. and bring you out into a place of hope and freedom. The second kind of uh, rebuking I find here in Scripture is where Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. And as he was talking to him and sharing with him, Nicodemus says, well, you know, how can I be born twice? You know, I'm, I can't get around this. And Jesus makes this really cute little phrase, my paraphrasing. Nicodemus, if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you die only once. If you're born once naturally, your life comes to a natural end and you die. But because you didn't accomplish new birth in the spirit, you're also dead spiritually. 
if you're born once naturally and then as a course of events, you are born again by the Spirit of God, you've been born twice. And then you can only die once in this mortal frame. My Bible says, the moment this frame gives up the ghost, the moment this frame says, I've had enough, it's been a good innings, we've done a lot of fun things, we've had fun, we went to church and had fun, it's been great. But when it says, I've had enough, absent from this body is present with the Lord. That's the great Christian hope. That is the great Christian hope. And here was Nicodemus in this, he was trying to unravel this circumstance. He was trying to find his way through this, this maze of his teaching, things he understood, and yet he observed things weren't quite as they ought to be. And Jesus' questions and statements with him were able to bring him through it. Jesus often told parables and stories. And whenever he told a story or a parable, there was always at the end a decision of a forked nature. What do you do about that now? What are you going to do with that thing? That thing I've put out there before you, what, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? There's too many. We haven't got the time to go through it now. Look at your Bibles. And then there's the, then there's the rebuke of, that comes in the form of a challenge. Jesus had died, was buried for three days or three parts of days thereof, and was risen. But it had been such a horrible experience for the disciples that Peter had put his hand up and said, Hey guys, not sure where he is or what's going to happen, but I'm going back to my boat. And in John chapter 21, he went back to his boats, took some guys with him, they went back to the boats, and Jesus showed up on the shore. How you going, fellas? Catch anything? No, I ain't got thing. And suddenly this person they didn't really recognise says, put down your nets on the other side of the boat. See, we're never far from God's miracle, really. It's just on the other side of the boat. We're messing around on this side and God's miracle's on that side. So put down the nets on the other side of the boat. Who's this guy talking to us? Put him down! Let's the nets down and they're in trouble with a catch of fish. And Peter is now convicted. He jumps over the back of the boat and comes crawling up the beach and says, Lord, Lord, I'm a wicked man. But did he run away from Jesus? How many of you and I have run away from the Lord? Stupid, stupid behaviour. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid, stupid English. Run away. At least Peter crawled up the beach in the right direction. And he came to Jesus and said, I am a man undone. Touch me. Touch me again. We heard about this morning from Matthew 16 where Jesus again was issuing a challenge. He said, who do you think I am? Come on, guys. Who do you think I am? I won't go into that because it was a great 
a great message this morning. And Jesus sometimes used humour, although we may call it a little bit um, dark humour. We may call it a little bit, wow, you're talking to me like that, goodness me. In Matthew 12, he said, um, and you bunch, you brood of vipers. Anyone here ever called a brood a, a viper? Snake? You brood of vipers. How do you say that something which is good can produce evil or that something which is evil can produce good? Now he said that because he was trying to get to the heart of the matter. And he's using humor. In fact, fact, he goes on in another passage and says, you whitened sepulchres. In other words, you're like old dead bones in there, but now the sun's come down and bleached you. There's no life in you. He was playing on words. He was uh, using humour, very sharp, caustic humour to try and shake them. And Jesus will sometimes do that. The Spirit will sometimes do that to us. And it can be done by the agency of the Holy Spirit himself or sometimes God will use pastor of a church, elder of a church, youth leader, Sometimes God uses a relative, a mother or a father. I had a grandma, and my grandmother had a bent finger. But I tell you what, that that bent finger was powerful. (laughs) When she pointed that bent finger, you knew the wall was copping it, but boy, you sure felt it as well. Don't neglect the message because of the vessel that God chooses to bring the message to you through. Don't push it away because you say, how could that be? Jesus walked past one place and he says, if you don't praise God, those very stones over there are going to rise up and praise me. Those, oh, we don't have time to go there. I could tell you where those stones come from. Why don't we like being told, as I come to a conclusion, why don't we like being told? Because it's a, it's a look back to our sinful nature. Yeah. It's a look back to our old misbehavior in, in Eden. And please don't any of you think, don't any of you think, well, if I was Adam, I would have done it different. Yeah. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. If you were Adam, you would have done the same thing because we do the same thing now when we're unregenerate. It's only when God's light shines in us, when his spirit comes upon us, that we can rise up and have the strength to live above those things. And that includes dealing with offences. So why did the disciples say, now called apostles? And that's a bit of a study in itself. But why did did these disciples, apostles say, Lord, increase our faith? I, I have three reasons why that happened. No one wants to be a stumbling block. You don't you don't want to cause someone you know. You don't want to hurt someone. You don't want to put something in someone else's way. You don't want to do that. You don't want to cause an offence. 
Or even worse than that, you don't want to take on an offence yourself. That's one reason why they said increase our faith. The second reason they said increase our faith was because they needed a greater capacity to forgive. If you look back, they had arguments among themselves and all sorts of carry-on, and Jesus is now challenging. He's just up the bar. He said, if the guy comes back to you five times, seven times a day, and he really is repentant for what he's done, towards you or against you, and he asks for your forgiveness, you have to forgive him. Last Sunday, I said that the first time you forgive someone, you have forgiven them and it's gone. You're not keeping score. You don't get a rating like, well, that's five times you've done, done something wrong this day. That's something our, our old mind says, but if you enact forgiveness toward that person, the next thing they do wrong is actually the first thing they do wrong. That's what Jesus does for us. I'm not asking you to do something extra special. I'm simply asking you to follow our leader. Follow our master. That's what he did. And the third thing was, in the back of their minds, in the back of their minds, they were remembering from the story in Mark, sorry, I hate that word story, from the account in Mark chapter 9, where this man had come who had a son who would take a fit and often throw himself into a fire, would try and hurt himself. They couldn't go near a millstone or a grinding stone because he might try and toss himself under the millstone. Or they couldn't get near animals in case he would do, try to do harm to himself. And in their, in their understanding, in their understanding, when this man had come and asked them for help, they couldn't help him. They couldn't help him. And Jesus had to come and bring help to them. And they said, this man's response was so, was so right to the heart. This man said, Lord, when Jesus asked if he could get involved and bring healing to the young boy, he said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And if we were really honest, my dear friends, we would probably have to say the same thing. Lord, I believe. Man, I've sung some great songs tonight and I've felt your spirit and it's really good. Oh, but there are moments when I have some unbelief and it paralyzes me. I, I, I can't take the step of faith I need to. I can't step out like I'd want to. And these three issues were paramount in these men's minds. So here's your choice tonight now. Here's your moment. Hang on to what you've got or forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness is just a simple choice. I choose by God's grace to forgive that situation, that person, that thing, that thing that happened to me. Whatever it might be, I choose to forgive. I choose to let it go. Some of you might be saying, I want to hang on to this. I'm telling you tonight, let it go. Let it go. Kath amply demonstrated that as she let the thing, the baby go. Some of you have trouble trusting God. 
Second thing, come and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this circumstance or this situation. God isn't intimidated by your need. Sometimes needs build themselves in our minds to the point we think nothing can help us. God is not intimidated by the size of your need. He's bigger. He's greater than any need you and I possess, have, or that affects our lives. So the second call is for people who are having trouble trusting God. God can touch you. And the last one is to say, I don't know how to forgive. I've kept this revenge thing going. I've kept this anger thing going. I've kept this hurt thing going. It's become a comfortable, uncomfortable traveller in life with me. How do I forgive? God can step in. The last thing I want to say to you, to take hold of something new, you must let go of something you're hanging on to. Let go of it right now. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And on the authority of the Word of God, coupled with experiences that I've had personally and seen in others, I know, I know that you will walk from this place released, strengthened, energized. Wholeness will be in your experience because of who God is, a great God. Praise His wonderful name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.